Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. Um, it's been two or three weeks since I've recorded an episode, and I've decided that I'm not going to force these. I was thinking about straight up like quitting the show, maybe, or trying to force myself to keep a you know a more rigorous schedule like I used to have. And I decided both are kind of the wrong thing to do. Um, I'm just going to do this whenever I feel like I have something to say. And honestly, I just don't feel like I have as much to say these days anymore. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the environment uh, by which I am surrounded. So in 2020, I moved away from everyone I know out to Utah in the middle of a pandemic where everything was locked down and no one wanted to go see each other. This was like spring of 2020. Um, and I got a truck driving job. So even in regular times, it would have been a pretty solitary profession. Um, so I'm alone all the time that I'm working. And then even if I'm out on the road for three or four days and then come home, when I get home, <laughs> nobody is doing anything. You can't even go out to eat. You had to take takeout. Um, and it's in a town where I already don't know anyone. So it's hard to try to find some sort of social outlet. So Twitter and my podcast became my social outlet. And I'm actually still dealing with the effects of that, living out there for you know, two years, more than two years, two and a half years, um, or well, just over two years, two years and like three months or something. Um, I'm getting over the effects of being alone for that long. And um, I'm actually making personal changes myself. I've deleted Twitter off of my phone because I've realized I use it too much. I mean, I'll be at a family event and I'll have my phone out and I'll be answering, you know, questions or accusations from people on Twitter. And it's stuff that I didn't even realize I was doing still, you know, and then I would, someone would make a comment or it would suddenly dawn on me that, wow, you're on your phone all the time, Reed, or you're on your computer all the time, whatever. And so I deleted the app off my phone. I only use it on my laptop now um, because I was just spending too much time. But that was that was my social life. That is how I interacted with people for a couple years. Um, and, you know, I'd go to libertarian events or something and I'd see people. But for the most part, it was me and the truck. And that was it. So um, that's something I'm actually, you know, I'm struggling readjusting to um not being alone all the time even though it's been almost a year since i moved back here now i'm working with other people all day long on a job site um or i'm in a truck with another person or we're driving a couple trucks where we have three four five people on the crew and it's not like driving a truck where you can kind of just space out and think about whatever you want and decompress it's line work around electricity and 
heavy machinery that you're not just loading on the trailer and then moving 800 miles. You're, um, you know, you're outside. It's loud. You can't chill out and listen to a song. You're communicating with people right in front of you all day long. And so when I get out of work, I actually just want to pass out on the couch and be away from people. I just want to chill out. So it's basically the opposite of the way things used to be because I used to actively seek some sort of human interaction. And now it's almost the opposite. <laughs> At the end of the day, I just want to, you know, I just want to chill out. So I think that that's had a lot to do with the change in the uh, consistency of these episodes coming out. And I've written a couple substacks, like two back-to-back substacks that were several weeks apart um, about how, okay, I'm back. <laughs> and then I don't send another one for a while. And I mean, I think this is mostly why. So um, there's that aspect of it, the whole not wanting to uh, podcast with people um, when I get out of work because I'm just tired and, you know, want to have a beer and sit on the couch or whatever. But on top of that, I also am genuinely kind of out of stuff to say um, for the most part, at least in the vein um, that I have been exploring over the last couple of years. Um, I had a lot of pent up thoughts in 2020 that I wasn't able to broadcast to many people. I was talking about the CARES Act and all these giant bills that were going to be signed into law and inflation. And I've got receipts. I often post them on Twitter from three years ago or whatever. And if I had had the following I do now back then, it would have been very different. But I, I had nothing. I had like 60 friends on Facebook or something. No Twitter account. No YouTube channel. Um, so <laughs> I, would, I was just kind of pissing into the wind. Uh, and then I had a, an insane rocketing rise with my podcast. Just like, I'm so fortunate and so lucky, uh, just the way everything fell together. A lot of people were willing to platform me. I ended up on Fox News. I've ended up on Tim Pool. Um, you know, I my tweets have made international news, like just crazy stuff. I never would have guessed this. But... I'm kind of at the point where I've basically said everything I have to say that's, you know, profound or new, or it's not even new. Like other people have said this stuff too, but new for me. Um, I just feel like a lot of the stuff we're going through is cyclical. And if you don't catch on to it at some point, then I don't really get what the point is. It's kind of that, uh, you know, teach a man, catch a man a fish and he can, eat for a day, teach him to fish and he can eat the rest of his life. People aren't learning how to fish. Like, I mean, it's just one psyop after another. And, you know, I'm new to politics, at least being involved in this way. It's only been a few years. And I guess I was just more optimistic about people catching on to things. Um, the guy I'm living with, he's like 20 years older than me. And he was actually saying earlier today, you know, kid, you got a lot of, uh, you know, you, the stuff you say is spot on, but there's one thing you don't have, and that's decades of seeing the same shit happen over and over again. Like the world's been fucked long before 
you showed up and it's going to be fucked long after you show up. And I've always known this, you know, on a, like a subconscious level, but it's just kind of disappointing to see it actually play out in real time. Like one of my friends is really excited about Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. running for president and he wants to like work on the campaign and everything. I'm just like, dude, I, I don't care. I mean, I don't really care that RFK is running for president. Um, and I think most of what he represents is pretty great, but <clears throat> he's not going to be allowed to get anywhere. And then if he is, they're going to get rid of him. I mean, to me, the closest thing we've ever had to an anti-establishment power figure is Trump and look at how they treated him. And he wasn't even that good. Like he didn't, he did what they wanted nine and a half out of 10 times, but just that small deviation was enough to impeach him twice and indict him and you know, all this shit. So I'm just, uh, I don't know the, the honeymoon phase of politics, I think is kind of over for me. Um, and I think that um, I think that there's there's something different about libertarians in New Hampshire because I was at a birthday party for one of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire guys last night, and a lot of the people who are at that party have moved to New Hampshire because they care about liberty for them it's not just like an online shit posting community thing like it's not just a you know like a social club or somewhere where you could share memes to them it's serious they spent big money to move out here and try to make a difference um and that means a lot to me you know one of the uh one of the other big transformations I've gone through over the last couple of years is when um, when I lived here before, I don't know if I want to say I had disdain, but I certainly had no love for the New England, specifically New Hampshire culture of like get up at four in the morning, work all day drive my F-150 home, drink a beer, have one day off, and then go back to work. Like, I I was much more sympathetic toward the Western. And, and when I say Western, I don't mean, like, the United States and Europe. I mean, like, the Western United States. Like, there's a, there's a different atmosphere out there. People want to explore, and they want to have more experiences. It's not just about the 9 to 5, the day in day out day job or whatever it's about like whoa let's go climb that mountain or let's go to this other state and check this thing out there's just a lot more of that um there's a lot more of that mindset out there and i think it comes honestly from generations back you know people who were kind of content with what they had stayed here in the east and then the pioneers and people who wanted to get more out of life or whatever they moved west and so generationally, you just have the more adventurous, uh, more um, explorative uh, people move west. And so I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, but with that, 
there seems to be a sacrifice for property rights and individual sovereignty because it seems to me that most of the people who want that type of lifestyle they're also the ones who are really quick to sign on to vaccine mandates and lockdowns and things that they view as the greater good uh you know sacrificing the rights of the few to meet the needs of the many a lot of people are on board with that in california you know nevada even in utah <laughs> you know uh, utah is a little different because of the mormon presence there but still like in general a lot of people who shared that part of my uh adventurous inquisitive nature they were also extremely fast to sign up for all that bullshit. Now, things weren't perfect here in New Hampshire during the lockdowns by any means. So new, new, um, you know, he wasn't as bad as most governors, but still, uh, I mean, there's a liberty movement here to you know, impeach him and remove him. And um, so it's not like things were perfect, but I did realize that I missed that kind of gritty, uh um isolated um you know hard-nosed kind of stubborn new hampshire spirit that didn't really exist in the west and the thing that i had kind of shunned i realized actually was a hedge of protection against that type of shit and as time went on, I realized that I actually missed that. I missed people who cared about their F-150 that they got to drive back onto their four acres that they owned out in the middle of the woods. And that that, in many ways, is more valuable to me than not owning any land and just being in a truck driving all across the West for the rest of my life, which, is, you know, a few years ago, I would have completely disagreed with that statement. I would have thought like, who cares if you own something, if you're not having experiences? I'd rather own nothing and just have my life full of experience. And I still do have that adventurous attitude. And I still do uh, think that if, you know, you never break out of your little shell and never go see the world that you are missing out on a lot. But I've realized the value of owning a piece of land and having it be yours and it doesn't necessarily have to be in front of these crazy big mountains in montana it can be a little plot in new hampshire and if you own your house and you work an honest job and you drive back and forth there's a lot of there's a lot of value in that that i think um i maybe i wouldn't have despised or anything but i maybe would have laughed at if i thought that that was the fullness that someone was trying to get out of life um, and I've realized that's actually something that I want now. So I'm actually, uh, this is my last week in this apartment. I know you guys have seen me streaming here a little bit for the last five months, but uh, I'm actually, I bought a camper. I'm flying out to Colorado this coming weekend with my brother to pick up a Chevy pickup. It's a 1991 eight foot bed, bench seat, five speed, four wheel drive no rust and only has, only has 10,000 miles on it. Um, 
and driving that back. And then I bought a camper here in New Hampshire and I'm actually going to park it on one of my friend's land and live out of that and just save money for the rest of the year and the rest of the winter. Um, and then hopefully next year buy some land and, uh, the market's still pretty hot right now, but I've got faith in Joe Biden that he can keep completely destroying this country and driving the market down. People are already starting to foreclose. And I think that it's not exactly the same as 2008 because there's so much inflation this time. So it's not like it's just a housing market bubble. It's all sorts of shit going on. But I do think that the bottom is going to fall out of the housing market again. Um, so planning to buy land next year and set up a home base in New Hampshire, uh, start building a house and I can do it all with cash, you know, buy the land with cash, park my camper on the land, uh, as I have money, put the foundation in, put the septic in, put the well in, put the frame up, you know, I'm just going to do it that way. And I'm really excited about it. Um, and this is something I'd considered doing several years ago and then decided I wanted to move West and have a little more fun first. Um, but I think I'm ready. I think, you know, I'm almost 30 years old and I think I'm ready to, I don't know if settle down is the right word, but at least have a place that's mine that I can anchor myself to. Um, and that has become way more important to me over the last few years because of how everything fell apart. Uh, this is a tiny sidestep from what I'm talking about, but it's kind of relevant. I, uh, was talking with my dad about this, this weekend. Um, as you, most of you guys probably know, I am not a religious person and I don't believe in God. I don't believe in eternal life. I don't really believe in anything supernatural. I'm certainly open-minded about it. I mean, I'm really an agnostic, but I think everybody is agnostic. So it's kind of a useless term. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's true, but I don't believe in the idea of eternal life, this upstairs, downstairs, spiritual realm. I, uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I sometimes wish I were a Christian or that I could be religious, but I just can't because it just doesn't fit my brain. However, um, I have gained more appreciation for the Bible over the last few years than I ever thought possible. Uh, cause I've been an atheist for almost, almost 10 years now. Um, but there's nobody I hate more in the world than atheists. They're just, and a lot of it has unraveled, uh, throughout COVID. I used to be a big fan of Sam Harris. That might just sound dumb now. Like maybe it is, maybe I was, maybe it was always dumb. But I used to listen to him and think that he had really rational arguments for how he arrived at conclusions. I really liked uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I would listen to him talk about things and I liked his rational approach to things. But I saw these guys lose all their credibility over really easy tests. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson, when he was on Patrick Bet David's show, he sounded like the early church denouncing Copernicus for believing that we have a heliocentric solar system instead of a geocentric solar system. I mean, he was basically saying that we discount the ideas of 
scientists who dissent once there's a scientific consensus about something. And that was the whole reason I didn't like religion was because it disallowed, um, it disallowed deviation from the text, basically. Like if you had a new discovery that you thought something else made more sense, that was not allowed. That's heresy, right? Like that's kind of the way the old church was. But that is how the scientific community is now. And maybe they've always been that way. I don't know. But um, I've basically realized that there is no neutrality. There is no secular neutrality, which is something that I definitely believed in for a while. I thought that science and the government and, you know, institutions should be neutral. But I've realized there is no neutrality. There is some religious cult that will always take over. Like we're seeing a lot with wokeism, with transgenderism, uh, stuff like that. Like if you dare to say that a woman who transitioned to a man is still a woman, it's like you have taken the Lord's name in vain. The, the severity of that offense is paralleled with religious, um, you know, with, with religious law. Um, and I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this isn't to defend uh, Christians necessarily because um, they fall for a lot of the same stuff. And I feel like they really fell short on COVID too. Like lots of churches went along with the, okay, we're going to have virtual Bible studies and we're going to allow the police to not let us meet in these places of worship. So yeah, they, they totally dropped the ball too. But I have definitely realized that atheism, so not disbelief in God, but like atheism as a, as a, I don't know what you want to call it as a religion really, but as a, um, as a cult, as a, way to identify yourself, I guess, or as a way to organize your life around is bullshit. It's kind of like uh, the black community. Like, what does that mean? The gay community, the whatever, like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being any one of those things. But if you're organizing your life around, you know, some community, instead of just thinking for yourself, I think it becomes dogmatic and it becomes religious. Um, and atheism certainly is a great example of that. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't even really want to call myself an atheist. I am someone who doesn't believe in God, <laughs> which is what the word atheist is supposed to mean. But, um, I don't, there's just so much baggage that comes with that term now. Like that's the thing with all these terms, like libertarian, you have tons of things that are attributed to you, whether or not they actually represent what you think. And you should be able to identify yourself with these words to save, you know, hours of conversation with somebody to explain your philosophy. There should be ways that you can uh, say that, but the cultish mentality surrounding all these, um, you know, all these different philosophies and different ways of thinking 
they trap you into identifying alongside things you don't want anything to do with. Um, I will say, though, you know, even though, uh, like I said, Christians haven't exactly done a great job of standing up for themselves or proving that they have some sort of anchor um, when they were just as easily swayed with a lot of the bullshit that happened over the last couple of years. I will say I have gained respect for simplistic argumentation. So it's, it's kind of like the midwit meme. I'm sure you guys have seen that one. There's like a bell curve in the middle and you have a dumbass on this side who's saying something retarded. And then the person in the middle has like a really, um, you know, really intellectual argument for whatever case they're trying to make. And then the guy down on the other end is basically saying the same thing that the guy over here is, but it's because he just realizes that it's true or this is the way to argue because you can't, you can't deal with these morons. So when you are living in a world where people don't believe that gender is a thing or that it's gender and sexuality are completely different things, or they don't, you know, accept basic scientific evidence of things that like the vaccine doesn't stop the spread of COVID um, they don't know basic history. They're unwilling to look into the Ukraine war and why things are unfolding the way they are. I mean, you can signal to the smart people in the room by making an eloquent, um, an eloquent uh, intellectual case for what you believe, but there are only going to be so many smart people in that room. You know, out of a hundred people, you might get like three or four people who understand what you're saying. And those people, you might be able to logically convince them that your position is right. But most people don't think that way. Most people are not logically convinced of something. So, uh, for example, like, um, I don't even remember what the joke was, but I, I was watching Bill Maher's show back in like 20. 13 or something and he made a joke about religion that initially made me start questioning whether or not i believed in god it was a joke it wasn't a uh and i'm a pretty you know thoughtful person <laughs> compared to the general public but the joke is what triggered me to start thinking differently it's very rare that there's like a paragraph you read analytically laying something out that will um make you realize that you know you're thinking incorrectly um steven crowder is the guy that convinced me there's no difference between assault weapons and other guns that might sound funny i've been a gun owner for 10 years or so but i used to think like yeah i mean why do we need you know 40 round magazines and why do we need ak-47s and i watched the video that he put together of how you could just shoot up, you know, a bunch of people with a bolt action rifle or a lever action rifle that ultimately it's really not about, um, you know, it's really not about uh, getting rid of dangerous weapons. It's they want to take all of our weapons away, but he introduced it in a hilarious way. Like he was pretending to be pro gun control and he had a table in front of him and he was asking a bunch of people which guns should be banned. So the humor is what hooked me in. 
it wasn't, uh, you know, the intellectual part actually came later. And so I think even for most like intellectual people, that's the way it's going to be is that you're going to hook them with some sort of joke or, you know, some sort of shocking statement. And then they'll start listening to you and it'll get them to start thinking about what you have to say. But most people don't even come to the second part. Most people are just convinced of something because you, uh, you communicated with them on some sort of primal level. Uh, that's what Donald Trump does. That's what AOC does. They're, I mean, if we lived in a critically thinking society, neither of those people would have been elected to public office. But when Rand Paul is up on the stage and gives an eloquent case for, uh, you know, why regime change is bad or something, and Donald Trump says his hair is dumb, <laughs> like Donald Trump wins. That's how that's how this works. It doesn't matter if you have the facts. It's who's funny, who's dominant, who is the most forceful in making their case who has the best theatrics, that's how you win people over now. So, I mean, this has been a learning curve with me over the last few years. And about two years ago, I was much more of the uh, thought that we should be trying to convince people from a, you know, from a, uh, a more scholastic, more, um, theoretical, more logical, more, um, you know, just more uh, literary, uh, literary uh, you know, just common sense level and trying to explain all these ideas and they would catch on. And then the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, before I moved back to New Hampshire, you know, long before, like a full year before I did, they we're basically proving me wrong on how to gain traction and how to start conversations. Um, they're making ridiculous tweets from their Twitter account and it was catching on like wildfire. And I kind of watched how they did this. And I actually ended up doing kind of the same thing. And I already had a talent for this because uh, in 2019 I ran this fake account. Um, I was pretending to be an auger truck operator. And I would just take these pictures of like the simplest, easiest jobs I'd ever done and post them on this website called Line Junk on Facebook. And I would just brag about how I'm the biggest, baddest motherfucker out there. And look at me, I could do everything so good. And it was complete sarcasm. And, you know, very tongue-in-cheek and in my opinion very obvious obviously not sincere but i had hundreds of people coming at me furious you know saying that's nothing i've done more than that and i mean it, it was the funniest fucking thing ever and so i realized back in 2019 oh i have a knack for gaining attention and pissing people off but uh in like 2020 i didn't think that that was the necessarily the best way to go about it. I dabble in it here and there with inconsequential tweets, but I didn't think it was the best way typically to try to convey a message. And I have completely flipped on that in early 2021. I started adopting this technique of putting out tweets 
that were extremely provocative. And then you could either have a thread following it up or you could link to a YouTube video for an in-depth discussion. And so you would hook whoever's reading and then you could pull them in and give them, you know, an entire lesson on what you're saying. And uh, that is exactly what the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire did too. And that's how you have to communicate with the general public. Uh, maybe not exactly how Libertarian Party of New Hampshire does it. Maybe that's too crass for you or whatever. But the way to make an impact is through theatrics. Um, you know, Ron Paul made a splash, but it wasn't anywhere near to Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or AOC. And what Ron Paul didn't have was theatrics. I mean, the reason he caught on to the level he did was because he was just telling the truth. And it was amazing that he reached the level he did. But I think we're kind of lying to ourselves that that type of thing can happen again just by telling the truth. I think it has to be fused with comedy or some bombasticity, some level of, you know, some some level of hysterics. Um and couple that with a lot of people who decided to leave where they live. Some of them left other countries. Most of them left other states and moved to New Hampshire. That Those are the type of people that I really think I belong with. Because I think a lot of people in the Libertarian Party, this is true both before and after the takeover. I think a lot of them are in it to feel important and feel like they're part of a social club instead of actually moving you know things closer to liberty um and this is something i've talked about before this is something the post-libertarian crowd has talked a lot about it really doesn't matter how many books you read how many lp events you go to how many podcasts you put out if you yourself aren't living like a libertarian and i you know, for all my faults, I do live like a libertarian. I'm very frugal. Everything I have is owned. I paid for it all up front. Like I said, when I build my house, buy my land, that's all going to be up front. I think the worst four letter word is debt. Um, you know, I'm independent. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to take care of people around me. And I think all of those things are much more important than how many Rothbard books you've read. Um, and uh, that's nothing new. I've said that before, but I think it kind of fits in with what I'm talking about here. So this was mostly just rambling and me talking about um, some of the, uh, you know, the realizations I've come to and how I've changed and um, why I'm not putting podcasts out as much. But Hopefully this resonated with some of you. Um, leave comments on YouTube if you want. I'm back on Twitter, uh, at Reed Coverdale. Like I said, I deleted it off my phone. It's only on my computer, but if you want to get a hold of me when I'm home at night, I'll check it once a day or whatever, and, um, and more than that on the weekends. So if you want to get a hold of me, you can there. Um, I'll be speaking at the Libertarian Party of Georgia convention 
next month. I believe that's on the 24th. Let me just uh, pull that up here to make sure that's on the uh, scratch that that's on the 14th, the, the week, uh, the 13th, I believe is the day I'm speaking. The business of the convention is taking place on the 14th. So I will be down in Georgia, giving a speech on the 13th, flying out on the 14th. Uh, so if you're in Georgia, make sure you come and check that out. Um, and then I'll be speaking at Pork Fest in June. And I'm not sure what else is coming after that, but I'll keep you updated. Thanks for checking in, guys. I will catch you on the next episode, whenever that is.